0: This is the Nightcap
1: with Tim Murray and Super Bowl champion Sean King on v the sports betting network. For Tim and Sean, I'm Scott Seidenberg, joined by Jonathan Von Tobel. This is the Nightcap here on VCN, the Sports Betting Network. And uh, I got some breaking news here with the Golden State Warriors. After the game, they dapped up Jay-Z. Oh, okay. Yeah. So uh, they did get the official uh, Hove seal of approval. There you go. So I guess that means that they will win the NBA title.
2: Well, I guess Hove wouldn't want the Celtics to win, huh? Boston, so...
1: Yeah, I guess he's a New York guy, kind of a front runner. Yeah, 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 a little bit, a little bit. A little How about bit this? Bit of, a little bit of Drake in him.
2: So, can I really quickly update this? So, you said where were you looking at Jalen Brown at eighteen to one?
1: Yeah, up on the yep. Where what do you at say MGM?
2: Right you can get him at thirty-five to one.
1: Whoa, that's, whoa,
2: yeah, 14, fourteen
1: to one at DraftKings now.
2: So thirty-five to one on Jalen Brown. That's hmm. that's 30. again. And Jason right. Tatum's at plus three twenty-five. Again, I get it—the human element of this. But after I'm telling you again, thirty-five to one on Jalen Brown. If you think the Celtics are going to win this thing, the most likely candidate for a Celtics MVP coming into this game, I had—I was listening. I don't know if you like uh, like Brian Windhorst podcast, right? Tim Bontemps, who was a voter in the Eastern mm-hmm. Conference Finals MVP, quote: "Jason Tatum's not part of the Finals MVP conversation that was coming into
1: tonight." Yeah, but how? And he was bad. He's right, been right, bad. And he wasn't great. Bad. And he hasn't he has been, been good. Great. You said it before, and and again, no disrespect to the writers, but you said it before, like, they're dumb. You know, like, they're just going to vote for the guy who's the face of the team. And Jason Tatum's the face of the Boston Celtics. And they're not going to care about his efficiency. They're not going to care about how bad he is defensively. And they're going to look at game one, and they're going to say the dude had double-digit assists. Mm -hmm. Then they're going to look at game two, and they're going to say he scored 28 points. They're going to look at this game, and they're going to say he scored 27. They don't care about anything else. As long as Jason Tatum shows up, he's going to win this award.
2: We'll see. I got faith in my guy Jalen Brown. If they win, of course, I mean, look, they're I'll, up I'll, against. I'll it right go now. place that thirty-five to one. It's, I'll do MGM it, GM, right now. Yep. Why not take a flyer on it for something? Because I do think right. And that's can I say really quickly? Yeah, we're talking about this Finals MVP market, and the reason why we're focusing on Celtics is because that's where you're hunting right now. I've seen. Yeah, a, like, there's I've no seen value of, in the Warriors, right? I've seen a lot of like Andrew Wiggins. No, Andrew Wiggins is not winning Finals MVP. Oh, like, Thompson you, is not winning
1: Finals MVP. Can you say that again, guys? Zoom in on JBT. Let's do the PSA for everybody out there watching and listening here.
2: You want V-Cin. it? Uh, Andrew Wiggins is not winning Finals MVP if the Warriors win. Clay Thompson is not winning Finals MVP if the Warriors win. Um, what do we do? Kevon Looney is not winning Finals. <laughs> Stop. I have seen now multiple times, like, Wiggins, it's worth a a stab, right? No, it's not. (laughs) I'll book it for you if you like. But Andrew Wiggins is not winning finals MVP. Nobody on the Golden State Warriors, unless your name is Stephen Curry, right, you are not winning finals MVP. This is Curry's award. I don't care about 0 for 6. I know Skip Bayless does. Like, this does not matter. He could go, mark my words, and this won't happen, he could go scoreless and they win that game in Boston, or if it goes seven, and he goes scoreless the next two games, and they still win that series, Steph Curry is winning finals MVP for the
1: Golden State Warriors. That's it. Have we now eliminated (laughs) the conversation? Because I think there was a little conversation that Steph Curry could win this award if the Warriors lost the series. Uh, can we eliminate that conversation now based off this performance in this game?
2: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think the one thing that gives you like those little embers uh, of him still doing this mm-hmm. is like, again, we're talking about like this whole thing for the Jalen Brown. Is I keep using the term most likely Celtic, but it's because no Celtic has really made them like differentiated themselves. Yeah, yeah, no Celtic has separated themselves from the pack. So I think that's what you're kind of holding on to if you still think Curry can win this, even if they lose or excuse me, uh, yeah, if they lose the mm-hmm. series. It's because if you go through the next two games, and again, we're talking about average games from Brown and and um, uh, Tatum, and let's say you get a 20-point game from Marcus Martin there like they did in game three where all three of them scored, you know, yeah. what was it, the 20-5 and five stat or whatever it was. Like, if you just get average games from them and they win the rest of the series with no guy differentiating himself, I think you could still hold on hope that Curry could win it. But again... Probably not. I mean, look at what happened in the Eastern Conference Finals. Tim Bontemps, again, to reference him, was one of the voters. He votes for Jimmy Butler. The rest of them vote for Jason Taylor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can make a really strong argument that Jimmy Butler was the, was the MVP of, of that series, but he only got one vote.
1: Yeah, well, so. no one does the term – no one – we've known this when it comes to this, the, the regular season award also. Mm-hmm. The term valuable just doesn't come into play anymore. They should just change the name of the award. It's not the most valuable player anymore. Mm-hmm. It's the most outstanding player. And that's it. I mean, and look, they changed it's it's been in the NCAA tournament. It's tournament most outstanding player, right? Yep. It's not the most valuable player. Uh and and, and in the you guess, I believe Jimmy Butler was the most clearly the most valuable player in that Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, um, and by the way, too, and this is why I love conversations
2: like this: you show your value in your terrible performances as well. Yes. Like Butler was at games three and four or four or four and five. Yeah, he was, was terrible, mm-hmm. he was hurt. He missed the second half of Game Three, whatever it was, but they were awful because Butler was not available to them, and they were terrible. So you show your value in that sense as well. But yeah. I'm, I'm interested. Like I think it would be great theater. It's, it's obviously not probable considering where this, the Warriors are at in mm-hmm. this series, but it would be incredible theater for the Celtics to win this in Golden State and Steph Curry to win Finals MVP and losing the Finals. Like I would, be, how they handle that from a ceremony standpoint would be pretty fascinating.
1: Good so, theater. What do the Boston Celtics have to do from an adjustment standpoint going into game number six to stay alive in this series?
2: I think it starts with your bigs. I think that's what you're looking at here. So if you're talking about the way that this game ended, and this is something that you brought up, which is really, uh, which is a really good point. Of the starters, you're talking about Tatum minus 13, Horford minus 19, Smart minus 9, Jalen Brown minus 19. You know who's positive? Robert Williams. He was yep. plus 11. In a game in which they lost by 10 points, Robert Williams was plus 11. The solo Horford minutes don't seem to be working at this point right now. I think if you're Ima Yudoka, the one adjustment you're making, we've seen consistently he starts the two bigs. Horford's the first one that gets the solo minutes. I think you're flipping that. I think you're giving a majority of the minutes by himself as a solo big out there. You're giving them to Robert Williams. Horford had three more minutes in this game, and he was minus 19. In 30 minutes, Robert Williams was plus 11. Mm. I think we've seen at this point yeah. right now, and, and maybe it's part, maybe part of it's the knee. He's not fully healthy. Maybe that's it, but I think you're, you're starting immediately right there, which is Williams is our guy. He has shown that he can drop and still contest Steph Curry shots. He's shown that he is adequate in terms of rim protection. Horford's not really there with the explosiveness I think that's the first thing you're looking at here is that Robert Williams
1: is your guy in terms of being your lone big. Well, I just think the Celtics have to start better. Well, that that's I mean it. that's the other adjustment. You gotta start better. And and whatever you need to do, you gotta start better. I mean, they were outscored by eleven points in the first quarter of this game. They lost the game by ten. Mm-hmm. So through the rest of the game, second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter, they outscored the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, it's only one point. I'm saying they still they Mm -hmm. outscored the Warriors in the final three quarters of this game, but going down by 11 after the first quarter, how many teams come back from that? Yeah, I'd love to know the stat. By the way, I'd love to know, and and someone's got to be able to do one of these uh, SDQL searches or whatever to figure out teams that go down double digits after the first quarter. How many times do they come back to win a game?
2: And from Udoka to your point. Uh, Some of the quotes from after the game, uh, quote, we lacked the physicality early. They took the fight to us early. The start is hard to explain. Our offense was stagnant and aggressive, uh, ramped up the physicality and the switching, which you saw a lot more of that too. I can't wait to go back and watch what they were doing defensively uh, because it did seem that they were like, they were trying to go at Steph Curry as they kind of do, but the the Warriors were doing such a great job of denying those switches and allowing Steph Curry to be the main defender there. So go back and watch what the Celtics were doing, but, or should the Warriors were doing defensively, but a really good performance from Golden State. The, the team effort, if you will, considering what Steph Curry did offensively today. And the bench.
1: Yep. The bench for the Warriors, you had Jordan Poole with 14 points, Gary Payton with 15 points.
2: Look at his plus okay. minus two in 26 minutes. He was plus 16 off the bench. That's yeah, great. Yeah,
1: Payton, yeah. So look at that right there that's 15 and 14. now I don't I don't need to calculate for this I believe that's 29 yes okay I think for the Boston Celtics Grant Williams in 16 minutes gave you three points and Derek White in 21 minutes gave you one point yep. that is a 29 to 4 the Warriors two main pieces off the bench outscoring the Celtics two main pieces off the bench yeah
2: no, it's a fair point. And, like, I mean, look at the, the difference in, like, the last two series he hasn't been really been relevant, but Grant Williams. You know, you need more out of a Grant Williams type. Williams, he you know, he had the amazing game seven against Milwaukee, as you remember, but, you know, can you give us good defensive minutes and six points, hit a couple of three-point shots when you come off the bench? Derek White, to me, that's the biggest disappointment. You play 21 minutes, you only take four shots, you pass up some wide-open looks to dribble into a contested two-point jumper. We've seen that from White at times, too, where he gets a little passive, that's the other thing as well. You know, it's funny looking at the box score and seeing all of our all of our scrubs coming off the bench with plus six because they won yeah, those. yeah uh, yeah yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, but you know, you look at it. Yeah, you got outscored by eighteen points when Williams was on the floor. Grant Williams, you got outscored by thirteen points in the minutes with Derek White. Like that, every every single Celtic will say it had a plus minus that was negative except for Robert Williams. You just need more from your bench. That's what you got just to get. Think,
1: just think about this though. Steph Curry, oh of nine. Kavon Looney, seventeen minutes, just two points on one of two shooting. He has four rebounds. Clay Thompson, yeah, he had 21 points, did nice, but Porter gave you two points. Draymond Green gave you eight. That was his Mm -hmm. best performance. And, and I I mean, if I just told you before the game, Jason Tatum has 27 points. I don't give you any context. Mm -hmm. I just say Jason Tatum scores 27. Steph Curry scores only 16, going 0 of 9 from three-point range. You would have bet your life that the Celtics won this game. Right.
0: if you dare.
2: And the other part of this, too, that we really should note is the rebounding. This is now two consecutive games in which the Warriors have won the rebounding battle. Yep. And this is now two consecutive games in which the Warriors have won. You know, we don't talk a lot about rebounding. It's not really that sexy. And But when you look at this, when you talk about the Warriors... Just dominating the defensive glass, not really limiting, really limiting second chance point opportunities, and getting those extra possessions. I mean, when you when you can win rebounding, when you can win turnovers, and you can shoot better from the free throw line. The lineup. turnovers. What's yep. the stat now? Uh, they they are now eight. one in seven according to the ESPN yeah. graphic when they turn over the ball sixteen times or more. And they had eighteen turnovers yep. in this game.
1: Turnovers, and they're bad ones. They're bad, bad turnovers. Ones. Yep. He's Jonathan Von Tobel. Catch him on Twitter at mejvt. I'm Scott Sadenberg. Hit me up at Scotts on Air. This is the Nightcap. Here on Visin, the Sports Betting Network.
0: This is the nightcap on VCN the Sports Betting Network.
1: If you're looking for more sports betting discussion around your local teams, BetRivers has you covered. BetRivers has launched a series of CityCasts designed to tackle sports betting from the local perspective. There are CityCasts in Chicago, Denver, Detroit, L.A., New York, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and now Washington, D.C. Subscribe to your local cast wherever you get your podcasts. Scott Sadenberg and Jonathan Von Tobel in for Tim and Sean here it is The Nightcap on VCN, the Sports Betting Network. Uh, taking a look at the Major League Baseball board for this Monday evening. Uh, Lost my play of the day here, JVT. I lost my play of the day. Alcantara? Yeah. Uh, Alcantara. Let's give the guy the respect he deserves. Is it? Yeah, let's give him the respect he deserves. He is the favorite for the National League Cy Young Award, uh, and he is one of the top five pitchers in all of Major League Baseball right now. Uh, Getting plus money with with the Marlins at the Phillies. With Sandy Alcantara on the hill, a guy who had a streak of, let's, I think it was eight, 17 scoreless innings coming into this game. Okay. Mm. So last night, I got the bet in when it opened up, plus 137. Okay. It closed at, depending on what book you looked at, plus 120, even plus 110. In the spots. Half so, the battle. You won it. So I shined up that CLV trophy nice and bright. In this game, the uh, Phillies, no Nick Castellanos in the lineup. Mm-hmm. So I feel really good about my chances here. Uh, going up against uh, Aaron Nola, who's, I guess he was the ace of the Phillies staff. It's more Zach Wheeler now, and Nola's kind of dropped off a bit. But he has, look, he has pitched well. In hindsight, under was the play. Didn't do it. I took the plus money on the Marlins. Uh, It was a 1-1 game going into the top of the seventh. Marlins back-to-back doubles take a 2-1 lead. So Alcantara goes 20 straight innings without allowing a run. He gets all the way to the eighth inning, allowing only one run on six hits. Okay? He's got first and second, Mm -hmm. with nobody out. Pitching coach comes to the mound. There's a decision to be made. Do you take him out now? Do you let him try to fight through this? Okay? This is a pivotal moment in the game. Champions fight. Champions fight. So they leave Alcantara in the game. This is the bottom of the eighth inning. JT Real Muto's up. After back-to-back walks, they leave him in the game. And Alcantara, being the stud that he is, gets JT Realmuto to ground into a double play. So now there are two outs, with a runner on third base, and Didi Gregorius coming to the plate in this game against Sandy Alcantara. Didi Gregorius, in his first at bat, grounded out five feet in front of the plate, mm-hmm. swung. Little dribbler in front of the plate. Easy ground out. The next time Didi Gregorius comes to the plate, a weak ground out to the second baseman. So far, Alcantara, two wins there for him against Didi Gregorius. The next time Didi Gregorius comes up against Sandy Alcantara, he strikes him out. Not even a ball thrown in that at bat. Strike foul foul strike strike. So now, I'm not that great at math, but I believe it's 0 for three with two weak ground balls. One that you can't even call a weak ground ball because it literally it was it was like a bunt attempt. It was it was a swinging bunt right in mm-hmm. front of home plate and a strikeout. So with DD coming up and Sandy at 113 pitches. Don Mattingly pulls the trigger. He says, I'm going to take Sandy out of the game now. It's a lot of pitches. It's a lot of pitches. I'm going to take him out, and I'm going to bring in O'Kirk, the lefty, to face the lefty, Dede Gregorius. And what happens? Dede singles in the game-tying run. I want you to put your managerial hat on. Would you have left in Alcantara at 100 and 13 pitches, that is the highest output that he has had this season. Oh, no. He had 115 against Atlanta. Mm. That was a complete game. He had 105 his last start, a complete game. He had 111 the start before that, 108 the start before that. Would you have left him in to face Didi? I don't think so. You don't think so? Nah. Take I mean, him out at 113? It, yeah, I think that's
2: a, lot, that's a lot of run. Go for, over the, consecutive go, go for the lefty-lefty matchup? Yeah. If it works, we're not. We don't care. But obviously, it doesn't it's, work. It's what
1: happens with the, right. every decision. If th- It works. I, yeah.
2: Yeah. So I think that uh, I think the the justification was mm-hmm. just in terms of making the move.
1: I'm sure, and I'm madly defending it. Defending it after the game is the right call. Right. Uh, obviously, Alcántara's a fighter. He doesn't want to come out of the game.
2: You're still. In, it's a game. It's not a game winner. Right. It's a game tying. It's run. a game you tying still, run. Yes. So you still give your your team an opportunity mm-hmm. potentially to still win that game.
1: Now here's what I do mm. as a manager. I let Sandy throw three pitches to. Didi, Mm -hmm. okay? If he gets ahead in the count, I let him try and finish the at-bat. If he throws, and now if you're Didi, think about this. The guy I'm facing, I'm 0-3 against him. I just struck out my last at-bat against him. I've made soft contact both times. He's at 113 pitches. He's gassed. What do you think Didi Gregorius is thinking going up to the plate? I got to see some pitches, right? Mm-hmm. I got to make this guy get his pitch count. 114, 115, 116. So, if Sandy starts him off with a couple of strikes, I let him see if he can finish the at bat. But if he throws three balls, can't he just can't, he's he's gassed. Mm-hmm. Clearly can't throw a strike. Then I intentionally walk Didi. I don't even let him throw the fourth pitch. If it's a 3-0 count, I intentionally walk him, take Sandy out of the game. It's now first and third with two outs. So what did you just do? You got out of that lefty-righty matchup by walking Diddy. You now bring in a relief pitcher. Maybe it's Anthony Bass, maybe it's whoever. And you set up the force at second to help you get out of the inning. Did you have everybody, Was anybody
2: else warming up, or did he just have O'Kirk
1: going? I don't know. Yeah. We, were all, we were doing the show yeah. while that happened. So I don't know if anybody else was warming up. Bass came in in the, in the next inning anyway. Yeah. So anyway, that's what I would have done and see how that played out. Now, I am not a major league manager. I did not stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night, so I don't have the credentials to do that, but that's what I would have done, and uh, lo and behold, the Phillies did walk it off in the bottom of the ninth inning. Reese Hoskins with the single there, so the Phillies win 3-2. They uh, had their winning streak snapped last night. They start a new streak here with a win against the Marlins, and this National League East is starting to get really interesting. It's going to be fun. Because the Mets, who have the best record in the National League, the only team to have 40 wins, are now only ahead by five games on the Atlanta Braves, who have won 12 straight games. So you have the Phillies, who are 9-1 in their last 10 games. You have the Braves, who have won 12 straight games. And while the Mets are dealing with injuries, still waiting on DeGrom, still waiting on Scherzer. Thankfully, they avoided a major injury with Pete Alonso, 5-5 and in their last 10 games, and only a five-game lead in the division.
2: Yep, and the Braves still have two more left with Washington. They get a weekend series with the Cubs, Mm -hmm. so those are winnable, obviously winnable series for a team like Atlanta playing the way that they are,
1: and they come back home, and it's a tough series, but they get four against San Francisco before hosting Los Angeles. And the Mets will play the Brewers for three games. They then take on those pesky Marlins for four games, and in that Marlins series, you will have both Sandy Alcantara and I believe. Are you going to get Pablo Lopez in that series? Are they? Are they
2: in New York too? Are they? They're in New York. They're in New York.
1: So you'll get Alcantara in one of those games, and then Trevor Rogers in another. So you're not going to get Pablo Lopez. All right. So you'll get Alcantara in one of those starts in Miami. Then they play Houston Mm -hmm. for a two game series. Before then, another series against Miami, where they are scheduled to face Alcantara again, <laughs> and then they play Houston again yep. for two more games. This is a tough stretch here for the Mets as they work their way through this first half of the season.
2: And it goes back to something that we were talking about off the air, which is like for me, you know, I like to bet futures in baseball, and, mm-hmm. but it's it's. When you're laying prices this early in the season, because I think there were a lot of people that had confidence in New York that they were going to be fine at the top of this division, and they still have that lead that you're talking about, but laying prices that are floating around $2 in a season, the way that baseball can break down with injuries and runs, things like that, uh, it is wild to me if anybody had laid a price in that range of about $2 and now sweating this, given the way the schedule is going to break down and given what you're looking at from the Atlanta Braves. And it goes for those teams too, right? Philly, Atlanta, Mm -hmm. teams that look dead in the water all of a sudden now have some life, given the way that they've been playing.
1: Honestly, if you're asking me which team I'd rather bet in that division right now, it's not the Mets at minus 250. It's not even the Braves at plus 260. It's the Phillies at 13-1. to 1. Yeah. Whatever, For whatever reason, and I'm a big Joe Girardi guy, but for whatever reason, the team was not responding to They it. hated that dude. And they absolutely did. And they have fought here for Rob Thompson 9-1 in their last 10 games since firing Joe Girardi. Billy's at 13 to 1 to win the NL East. They're eight games back now. This buckle up. This National League East is gonna be a fun ride. He's Jonathan Von Tobel. I'm Scott Sadenberg. In for Tim and Sean, this is the Nightcap here on VSIN the Sports Betting Network. This is the Nightcap on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. It's the Nightcap here on v Sports Betting Network. In for Tim Murray and Sean King, I'm Scott Sattenberg, alongside our senior NBA analyst, Jonathan Von Tobel. And JBT. I just thought about something. Because um, I, I, we both had Celtics in the second half, mm-hmm. right? You pushed because uh, it was you got two. two I, had, I had Celtics minus two and a half, so I lost. I also had the under uh, 107 and a half in the second half, and that lost as well because it was 108. So I lost by a hook for both the Celtics' second half and the under in the second half. Um, Sorry. That Jordan Poole three-pointer buzzer beater at the end of the third quarter. What makes you feel better?
2: That Jordan Poole's buzzer beater at the end of the third quarter beats you, or that Luke Cornett's
1: three point shot. No, at the end of the because game beats in you. the garbage time like that, I expect the players to shoot. Yeah. And I ex- and at that point I'm rooting for points because I need the Celtics to come back. So I'm actually, wa- I actually wanted yeah. the Celtics players to score there. What I didn't like being a Celtics backer and being an underbacker was a running fall away half court type. That bank just shot
2: just gets off his fingertips.
1: Bank shot that just goes off of his fingertips before the red light buzzer comes on for a three pointer at the buzzer at the end of the third quarter. Yeah, that's some fluky stuff. Man. That sucks. Yeah, that sucks. <laughs> that sucks. You think I can go complain down to the counter and they'll give me my money back? You get a discount at least. All right, maybe
2: half of it back. Yeah. Like, ah, oh, we understand. Maybe like a totally
1: s- get you. Maybe like a soda or something. But don't tell
2: anybody else. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they'll give it back to you. All right, I've got it sad for you. You ready for this? Sure. ESPN stats and info, okay? I keep using the term, the cliche, shoot yourselves in the foot. The Boston Celtics, right, when talking about them. The Golden State Warriors scored 22 points today off of 18 Celtics turnovers. That was game five. Mm-hmm. The Warriors' 103 points scored off of turnovers are the most by any team through the first five finals games since the 1992 Bulls. And as we know, Boston 1-7 with 16 or more turnovers in the game this postseason, 13-2. and in other games,
1: you say 103 points off turnovers? In the first five games,
2: correct. All right. The record is the Bulls in 91 at 114, and then the Bulls in 92, 111, playing the Lakers and Blazers respectively. I got to do math here.
1: Okay. So. that's a
2: lot of air. By the way, I'm never coming back on the nightcap if I have to do this much math. We've done so much math today.
1: I mean, hold on. Hold on. The Warriors have scored in this series, right? Mm hmm. Five hundred and twenty-six points. Oh, you're gonna do this? Okay, yeah, yep. So now wait, you said a hundred and three points. A hundred and three of those have been scored off turnovers? Yep. That's a whole game's worth of points.
2: So you said five hundred and twenty-two total points, right? hundred and three, divine two. That's a whole that's, game's worth of scoring. That's twenty. yeah, I was gonna say how much was it? Twenty? Nineteen point yeah. seven. Yeah, twenty 20% percent 20% of twenty percent
1: of their scoring in this series has been
2: off of turnovers. And how about, I'll, I'll, I'll one-up this a little bit more. So cleaning the glass, uh, it separates its transition statistics. It like goes overall transition, off of steals, off of live rebounds. The Golden State Warriors in this series have added 2.9 points per 100 possessions to their overall offensive rating, and in transition off of steals, they are averaging 1 point, essentially we'll call it 1.5 points per play.
1: That's insane. It's wild. How is, this a three, was how is this a 3-2 series? Yeah, when you, series over.
2: In the two games that they didn't turn the ball over, they scored 120 points and 116 points, and the Celtics won those games. Final margin, we'll call it comfortably, although the result, yeah. yeah. It's wild, now. So you talk about, like, when you talk about mistakes for this team, and you have nobody to blame but
1: yourself. And, you know, coming into this game, the reason why I loved the Celtics in the first half was because of the desperation that they were going to have to play with mm-hmm. right after the loss, uh, The how good they have been. After a loss, not just in this postseason, but going back to January twenty third, also in this postseason, I believe it's now six. It was six and one, I think, in the first quarter. Yeah. After a loss, obviously, it didn't work out. They were down eleven after the first quarter here. Um, But coming into this game, they had outscored the Warriors by nineteen points in the first halves of these games. So now it's been they were down twelve. So now they've only outscored them by seven. Yep. So you just think one game changes everything here. So it was an average of, I mean, again, we're doing math now, but like nineteen divided by four, we're an average of oh, almost five points. I'm out, yeah. Almost five points Go per pen. per game here in the first half.
2: Yeah. Not the case anymore. And how about this? So we into more. So we were talking about adjustments at the beginning of the hour, and one of the things we pointed out was bigs, right? Robert Williams got to be your guy going forward. Celtics outscoring the Warriors by 31 points in 126 minutes with, uh, with uh, Robert Williams on the floor. There's his team best for the Celtics. Warriors are outscoring the Celtics by 42 points in the 114 minutes with Williams off the floor. Team worst for the Celtics.
1: All right. That's your most valuable player right now. Yeah, look, that, that's the that, the mean, word is valuable. Look, you're with I'm with
2: you. Like I love these conversations because if you're actually looking at these games, if we're really being realistic and yeah. we're talking about literally the value of a player on the floor—a guy that changes the game. I, I made the case for Robert Williams in the Eastern conference finals to an MVP. Cause that is the case here again, too. What he does for them defensively is untouched by anybody else on that, on that team. He is. And this is why I, I think we talked about this on the air. I don't know if I mentioned it off the air, but it's why it bugged me that Marcus smart won defensive player of the year. They only gave it to him because mm-hmm. Robert Williams got hurt. Agreed. Robert Williams is their most effective defender. Every single number points that out to you. So if we're literally having a conversation about most valuable player and if the Celtics somehow win these next two games, you know damn well that Robert Williams is going to be the best player on that defense and that he is going to be the most impactful. But because he doesn't score 25-plus points, that he's not going to get it. But I think you're right. I think if we're looking at this logically and with nuance, the real guy who's the most valuable player is Robert Williams. And maybe there's a chance he could win it. Maybe we're looking at it all wrong.
1: But I I, I think when you're looking at that – I don't even see any odds on him. Like he's not even listed. Not at even I'm listed looking. in some
2: spots. Yeah, let me I mean, look around.
1: You got to look around and see something here, uh, Aaron. See if you can find something on Robert Williams. But one book I'm looking at, he's not even listed. It's not really? even on the board. Yeah, that's ridiculous. And, and well, I mean, just look at the, the longest shot on the board that's listed right now is Draymond Green still at two hundred and fifty to one. Yeah. So uh, Clay Thompson one hundred and thirty to one. Uh, Marcus Smart one hundred and ten to one. Let's see. Let's so those let's are the see. ones that are listed right now. But
2: wow, incredible! You're right. He's not listed. Yeah. Wow. See, like that, and that's what we're talking about here. Can you imagine, too, by the way, not listed here, not listed maybe going forward, if the Celtics win this series, and he's listed at the beginning, so I, yeah, I think yeah, you have pay those out. But still, if he's just not listed the last two games and he ends up actually winning it, there are, and we should I, give credit to some of these guys. I think there are writers and people who analyze basketball mm-hmm. that know that he is the most valuable player. The problem is this isn't NBA ballots where you have hundreds of writers contributing to this. Yeah. You have seven who are there at the game. And it's usually the bigger-named writers who are voting for these things. And, and that's it's kind also of usually
1: like, all right, we're on deadline. I'm typing up this article. Hey, submit your finals MVP votes. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah uh, Jason Tatum. Here so, you go. You yeah. Know, just write it down. But I, t- you I
2: tell you what, man. I mean, <laughs> the, the, you're because you're right. It's, it's like the conversation when we talk about, like, Otani last year or Mike Trout on the year mm. that he won it, that they were, you know, whatever the record was. Yeah. If we're talking about literal value, I mean, yeah. But –
1: is he going to well, get the support? Isn't that isn't that what we always say when it comes to these regular the regular season MVP? It's the guy that it, it's if you take them off of the team, they are significantly impacted for the negative, as opposed to when they're there, they are significantly impacted for the positive. Yep. The numbers you just gave out about how much the Celtics are outscoring the Warriors with Robert Williams on the floor versus how much they're being outscored when he's on the bench, tells you that in the first five games of this series, he is the most important player to the Boston Celtics. I'm going to go one step further.
2: You're just killing us. We've been looking at this the wrong way. Steph Curry's not in Jerry West territory. Robert Williams is. Robert Williams could win finals MVP if
1: the Celtics lose the series. How about that? There's a great case to be made. This, I, this is There's a great case to be made. That would never happen. It would never happen in a million years, but there is an argument to be made. Yep. Because, like we just mentioned, he's the most important player to the Boston Celtics. Think about this. If Robert Williams didn't play a single minute in these NBA Finals, the Celtics would have gotten swept in four games.
2: I mean, there's a really good chance it's a really short series, yeah. Four or five, yep.
1: It's over. Just based on those numbers, though,
2: and I, I do wonder. Udoka has been pretty rigid in how he's handled this series. Do you do you go with the, you know the guy Al Horford? No, who got to let it fly? Who was screaming on the court in the Eastern Conference Finals because he was excited that he made it to the NBA Finals after a long career? You and actually, he had an
1: amazing game one.
2: And and we're not talking about benching Robert
1: or yeah. Al Horford,
2: but when you go again, he starts with those with both of them on the floor. His his mo has been pull Williams first, and I think it's now. Pull Al Horford but how much first. of that
1: is because of the injury and him wanting to protect the I minutes. mean, he
2: actually – there's a quote right now. i have to find it exactly. But he did mention that the two nights off between the games four and game five uh-huh. helped him out a lot, that he feels good. And you again, too, Tuesday, Wednesday, you're off. You don't play again until Thursday. You would assume, just logically, that he feels similarly when we get to game six back in Boston.
1: Hey, last game of the season, potentially. Can't hold anything back now. Right. I, let, I let him run out there and just – That's uh, the other part about it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I let him go out there and just play as much as he can to try to get this win and extend the season because you got to get this thing to a Game 7 and then you worry about Game 7 when it comes. But the season is on the line on Thursday night at TD Garden in Boston. He's Jonathan Toble You hit him up on Twitter at MeJVT. I'm Scott Sadenberg. Hit me up at ScottsOnAir. This is the Nightcap here on v the sports betting network.
0: This is the nightcap on vsin, the
1: sports betting network. Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit vsin.com to check the current betting splits data. Want to know where the money and bets are moving every game? The betting splits page is updated every 10 minutes so you can see changes in all the action. Find out where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money doesn't match the public opinion. You can check out not just today's action, but future events as well. Betting splits are another way VSIN is here to make you a smarter, better year round. Check out today's betting splits for every game at VSIN.com. Alongside Jonathan Von Toble, I'm Scott Seidenberg, in for Tim and Sean here on the Nightcap on VSIN, the sports betting network. Oh, and wow. Night's JB. already over, huh? What's that? Night's already over. I thought it was like. Nine fifteen. Listen, I'm used to doing. Going, yeah. I'm used to doing like three, um, three hours at least by myself. So I'm ready to go for another like three, four hours. Greg, you want to stay? You or, can go home. All right. Uh, I mean, yeah, this is, doing a two man show is like, <laughs> it's like I'm talking less. I feel like I only did an hour show. I love the two man game. So you said uh, you have gotten the Robert Williams odds. Yes. What do we have here?
2: So at some spots you can find them two hundred and fifty to one. Um, that's like a consensus price. We'll call it. One shop, which I've asked which shop it is, judging by just the look of the app, I would say it's about a looks like a bar stool, but whatever. No,
1: I, this is oh wait, which one are you looking at? The thousand to one.
2: You can get Robert Williams at a thousand one. That's the basis of what we're talking about here, really quickly. Robert Williams, thousand to one twin finals MVP. All
1: right. So I'm looking at this app. I know my apps. Points bet is the first one. The first one, the black and bet white MGM, one. obviously, because it says Bet MGM. Bet so he's at 250 to one on BetMGM. He's at, what is this, five, 50 to 1? It uh, looks like a f- uh, 500 to 1. Excuse me, no, 50, five, one. 50 to 1, right? Yep. Right? 50,000? No.
2: No, that is 500. That's 500 to 1. Yeah. yeah. The zero so, is always throwing
1: me off. Yeah, yeah, so 500 to 1 on points bet, 250 to 1 on BetMGM, 1,000 to 1 on, I don't know what this app is. I texted Ian, so we'll see if that's the case. Ian
2: McDonald's is nice enough to send that in, but regardless,
1: again, could it be a fan? That same game parlay is listed here. SGP
2: thousand and one on a guy what? who is who is literally the like we. we he's not
1: going to win it, we but have like the
2: number. I wouldn't say he he's not going to win it. If he if I, they again, it, this is obviously contingent on the Celtics winning yeah. the series. If they do it, but he has clearly been their most in a game in which they lost by ten. They were plus eleven in his minutes today. I know he, he has been the most impactful defender by far. I was told that's William Hill. So a okay. thousand to one on William Hill, but regardless.
1: All right, I I have I have even more. This there's, there's so many things from this game that's just amazing. And we, we you got another about stat? That. Yeah, I got another thing. Okay, so Doug Gazarian, ESPN, you know, a friend of the network, he he uh, just tweeted out that DraftKings earlier today, um, and I don't know what this bet was, or maybe it was one of those like promo. I don't know. Oh yes, had DraftKings minus ten thousand on Steph Curry to make at least one three-pointer? You know somebody bet it. How? How? Could, what, what are you well, talking about? Somebody earlier today bet, um, was
2: it $50 to win two fifty that the game wouldn't go to overtime? Like $2.50. Oh, so People you, bet these things. Yeah, so you think, not, I don't think somebody so you, laid $10,000 no, so, yeah, on it. to win $100. It, but did no. somebody come in and bet like 20 bucks on it to win whatever? People do these things all the so time. So if you
1: bet a dollar, you won $0.10. Cents, is that right? Or no, you won $0.01. Cent. <laughs> right, I was going to say. Right? Something, Yeah. <laughs> Right? If, you, if, you, if you bet a dollar, you won one cent. Somebody went in and put $100 on it. Like, the sure thing, I'm going to get something back here. Thanks, like Steph Curry. Come out positive. 233 straight games, regular season and playoffs, making at least one three-pointer. Steph Curry goes 0 of 9 from three-point range. Uh, here's
2: another nugget from tonight, too. This is from Josh Duvall, um, Dubow, uh, AP. If the Celtics come back and win the NBA Finals, they will be the second team ever to win three game sevens in a postseason. Lakers did it in 1988. My question to that would be because they won Game Seven in they go to Milwaukee or Game Seven in Boston. I know Game No, so Game Seven was in Miami. Game Seven against Milwaukee was in Boston. So they would have to win two Game Sevens on the road to win an NBA title. I wonder yeah, when those in
1: Miami, right?
2: It, Miami and Golden yeah. State, but still to win three Game Sevens in a single postseason, two of them being on the road. Wonder how often that's happened. I would assume never.
1: And Jason Tatum now has the most turnovers by a player in a single postseason in NBA history.
2: Yep.
1: MVP. Right. MVP. No, it's it's crazy. Um, it's uh, this series is certainly I don't think over. I do like the Celtics at home in game in game six. I just think that you're going to get a better effort from them. Clearly. Uh, they're obviously comfortable shooting at home. So I think the shooting performance will be better. Uh, but it just, I don't know everything about this. Just, just kind of, how do you bet against the golden state warriors? Mm -hmm. And how do do you expect Steph Curry to have second consecutive bad shooting game? Last time we saw him in Boston, he scored 43 points. So apparently he was comfortable shooting there as
2: well. And he was wild. That was uh, arguably his greatest finals performance and maybe playoff performance. but And we're seeing that the markets kind of reacting back and forth here. You know, Westgate and Circa um, are still sitting at four for this number for Game 6. Uh, the other spots sitting at three and a half. So we'll see if uh, what the market does and uh, if this starts to take shape. Again, the, the public has been all over Golden State. You'll see the cheap money line, I think, again, when you talk about like Golden State plus 130, that might get dipped down to like, you know, plus 125, plus mm. 120 because, you know, the public likes to come in and support them. So... We'll see if that's going to be the case. But uh, I agree with the sentiment that, look, I mean, look, I picked Boston to win this thing in six. It's not going to happen. Still think they're going to win this series. No reason to back off the prediction because mm-hmm. we've seen them do this before. Um, but, like, I just get tired. So I brought this up to Matt a couple of times. After game four, The the like Jalen Brown, Al Horford, and even Tatum were kind of laughing about, like, huh, you know, we do this to ourselves all the time. It's what we do. <laughs> but, like, at the same time, I told Matt, I'm like – you can laugh about that all you want, and I guess there's a confidence in responding to adversity every single time. Every time they face adversity, they have answered the call. Yes. Buck series, they did it. Miami series, they did it. But also, that adversity was of their own fault. The reason why they won a clutch game in Game 7 against Miami is because they made it that way with the way they handled the end mm-hmm. of the game. Like, at some point, you keep, it's the cliche, you keep playing with fire, you're going to get burned, yeah. and here you are down 3-2 against a team with Steph Curry as its main piece, and you got to win two
1: straight. Yep, yeah. and I just don't know, I mean, I didn't think that Anyone was going to win two straight. So uh, the fact that now you're asking the Celtics to win two straight against the Warriors, who haven't lost two straight, uh, it's going to be difficult. But then again, it was going to be difficult for the Warriors to do it, and they just did it, winning two straight here against the Boston Celtics. Do do I see them winning three straight? Mm -hmm. No, I can't see them winning three straight. Uh, The early betting splits right now are on the Boston Celtics, 55% of the bets and 85% of the handle already. Is on the Boston Celtics at the minus three and a half line. Remember,
2: they opened three. Yeah, DraftKings did so. That might be that early action.
1: Yeah, so the early action bumping it up to three and a half. You think it closes at four?
2: Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think the situation, the way the market responds to these situations, I would assume that is the case.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But I mean, you're probably going to see. I-, I would say consensus number closes four with a couple of three and a halves out there. I'll say it won't be a
1: strong four. But also, hey, now the number doesn't mean anything cuz what are we up to now? It's got to be like 65 now. 65 and 0. The the since 2010. Oh yeah, with the-, the the win in the NBA finals since 2010 when the spread is 6 or below. Right. The team that has won the game outright has covered the spread. It, it's it, it's got to be now over the next last couple of games which is held true. It's got to be up to like 65 and 1. it's like yeah, 65. 67. There okay, see, so, yeah, all right. 67-0-1 against the spread going back to 2010. So the number hasn't mattered. Three and a half, four doesn't matter. <laughs> if the Celtics win, they're covering. And if the Warriors win, obviously they cover because they win out.
2: This is why I like the games like this. You want another little – I guess this isn't much a stat. It uh, kind of stat. You want this? Yeah. Dieter Kurtenbach, uh, who covers the Warriors and everything, Bay Area. Uh, Minnesota Timberwolves, God's gift to the Golden State Warriors. Three points here. They passed on Steph Curry twice in the NBA draft the year he came out. They couldn't finalize, if you remember, a Clay Thompson-Kevin Love trade. I remember that. that I, I totally forgot about that until he brings it up here. Traded Golden State Warriors, Andrew Wiggins, and a first-round pick. <laughs> Wait, the Celtics traded? No, 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 the Timberwolves. Oh, the Timberwolves. He's saying yes. the Timberwolves yeah, 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 are God's yeah, yeah, gift yeah, yeah. to the Warriors. Yes, yes, yes. Passing on Curry twice, not finalizing yeah. a Clay deal, and trading Wiggins to the Warriors with a first-round pick.
1: It was – they took Ricky Rubio and first – and then when Rubio, remember, they didn't know if Rubio was going to come over, yeah. so they took uh, what's-his-face from Syracuse, Johnny uh, uh, Johnny Flint uh, yeah. from Syracuse. And then the Knicks were going to draft Steph Curry. I was working for the Knicks Radio Network at the time. We interviewed Steph Curry before the draft, and he was talking about how he just finished reading seven seconds or less and was dying to play for Mike D'Antoni. Yeah, Thought he would thrive in D'Antoni's system and one pick before the Knicks, the Golden State Warriors take, Stephen Curry.
2: They got Jordan Hill.
1: Oh, yeah, that worked out. (laughs) I swear, for years, the number eight pick was a curse for the New
2: York Knicks. Donovan Mitchell's going to be there soon. You can watch him play (laughs) bad defense and score 30 (laughs) points a night.
1: And who knows? Maybe Zion, too, right? Let's right, just yeah. bring them all over. Uh, he is Jonathan Von Tobel, our senior NBA analyst here at Vsin Catch Hardwood Handicappers up on vsin.com. Got to go home and record the latest episode. Wherever you get your podcasts from, and hit them up on Twitter at me, JVT. I'm Scott Sandenberg Hit me up on Twitter at Scott's on Air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. Greg Peterson comes your way with the look ahead up next. This is the Nightcap,
0: here on VCND Sports Betting Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off, grand slam, or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365.